Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, or Padomaru and Game. It's episode 112. Uh, for those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. So this week, the new set has released. Cold Hunt is now out and playable with the new draft rewards. And so we thought we'd run back uh, uh, our guest from when Revelations came out and uh, have Who Does That back on for our for our new set prep episode. So uh, welcome to the show, Who Does That? Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Excited for yeah, the new format been, and the rewards. Yeah, it's almost been uh, six months to the day uh, since you were last on. Um, so we're excited to... Have you walked the listeners through this uh, this new set and some of the mechanics and things going on in this set? I'll do my best. <laughs> All right. So before we get into it, I, as always, I'd like to give a shout out to our patrons. Uh, we do have a Patreon at patreon.com slash farming eternal. It's a way that people can give back to the show and help support us. Uh, it keeps us motivated week after week to keep doing these episodes. And we have a double header this week. Uh, in a, tomorrow, I'm actually recording a, our second episode of our constructed cousin to this podcast, uh, Farming the Depths of Eternal. I came up with that one myself, uh, where we brew around a, a card. Um, so look forward to we'll have two episodes hopefully next week if I, by some miracle, get these both edited uh, in a timely manner. Um, but as always, thank you to our uh, all our patrons. So D-Dubs, John, uh, Demo, Steve Irwin, Cotillion, Low-Key Trickster, Mercurio Blue, Abed Nago, Meagles, Madness, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Jed the Homerid, Raven Dragon, Esrich, 0215, Sunblaze, Work Done Sun, and Yes Stout. So how was your draft week? Uh, who does that? Uh, it was good. Um... The draft preview was a lot of fun to play with the new cards, um, with the bot packs and and all of that. It was a little uh, hard to find what lanes were open and pick faction pairings and things like that. Uh, but that's just something you're used to when new formats come out and and then they kind of even out over time. Um, and then as far as the cold on, we you know, it's only been a couple days here, but uh, those drafts have been good it's a lot of fun like the new cards are interesting um some of them are pretty high powered so it'll be kind of an interesting draft format i think i've seen a lot of swingy games the ones i've played and the, the streams i've watched um where games are kind of swinging back and forth when powerful cards are played so we'll see how that plays out in the long run yeah yeah it does seem uh we'll get into all of this later but it does seem like there are very high-powered cards and very low-powered cards uh, <laughs> in this format. So it'll be interesting to see how they all play out together. Um, yeah. So I've, I've also I've done a few drafts um, to ch sort of prepare for this episode. Uh, doing okay for myself, uh, keeping a winning record, winning enough games that the drafts are so far paying for themselves, which is a really great feeling. Yeah, so been enjoying that. Enjoyed the uh, Patrick Sullivan, one of the developers, uh, streamed uh, yesterday as of when we're recording this, and so it was really cool. But the developers are sort of 
interacting with the community more and doing some draft streams. Uh, so I feel like, yeah, Eternal's in a positive place right now. You know, it's it's hard to know, like the queues times are very short right now, but it's like, is that a new set or is that, will that be able to sustain itself uh, with these new rewards? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping the new rewards sustain <laughs> help sustain these people playing. So it'll be exciting to see how that unfolds. Yeah, I'm excited for the new rewards. I'm hoping it brings more people into draft that wouldn't normally draft because that might be one of the, the problems for newer players is if you're new to draft, it's hard to, to win games at first. And then it can be discouraging if you're sinking gold into it and such. So hopefully that helps out with that. Um, I mean, that's one of the two things that keeps me from drafting more, I would say, is you know maybe getting tired of a format if it's getting stale. And the second thing is just, you know, even if I consider myself a decent player and I do well, uh, that it's hard to go infinite. It's like in the old reward system, it was extremely hard and this helps out incredibly. Yeah, yeah. Hard would be an understatement. <laughs> I think it's a very <laughs> generous description of how hard it was to to be infinite in the old system yeah it is interesting i i do know there was some talk like on the main discord of people worried because it, it the new system does have at one or two win zero one and two wins you're actually getting less gold back and and less shift stone and so for the very new player maybe the system is a little bit more punishing possibly but at I feel like at that win total, it's it's still pretty mar. You're you're getting so little gold in either system that it's kind of a marginal. The disincentive is pretty marginal, um, and also hopefully if there's enough new players, the new players are playing new players, and so those, their then their win total will be slightly inflated, um, mm, as yeah. compared to now where they end up you know, playing against better up at rank two or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that doesn't tend to lead to your first your first good games if you're jumping in a queue for the first time, getting paired up against Masters players. So hopefully the, the number of people drafting increases. Definitely looking forward to that. All right. So now to, now to whet our appetite with our card of the week. So we, we each picked a card of the week from the new set. So... Uh, what is your card this week? Oh, you're switching the order up on me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So I picked Ritual Dagger. Uh, I was super excited when I saw this uh, previewed. It's a three shadow uh, weapon, and it's plus two attack, plus two health. Summon, you may sacrifice a unit other than the wielder to give the wielder plus two, plus two. So you can give a unit plus four, plus four for three, as long as you have just some sacrifice fodder. Uh, I mean, if if you have a one drop and a two drop, and then you play this on turn three, theoretically you've got something with six or seven power attacking on turn three. So it can be incredibly powerful. Um, I know if there's a lot of removal in the format, you can essentially three for one yourself, it depends what you're sacrificing. If you've got something that, you know, was a token type of creature and you're just sacrificing it, then it, it can still be a two for one, but that's the same with any weapon. Um, 
but just the the power level that this can achieve i think is is great and then there are times you might want to sacrifice something so it can lead to some sacrifice energies um, but just a cheap powerful weapon even if you don't sacrifice something plus two plus two for three is not bad um i i've played with this myself i have watched some streamers kind of pass this without even considering it as their pick and pick things that I thought were worse or weaker. So I'm interested to see how people are gonna value this moving forward. Cause I think I see people undervaluing it, but we'll see. I mean, they might have the reasons for not picking it and it might be card disadvantage with the removal that's in this format if they end up removing the creature that this is on. Right. Yeah. So. You know, this is like a similar effect to a card like Sanguine Sword, the sort of relic weapon version of this. It is, uh, yeah, the, it is interesting. I feel like these effects tend to overperform, like a Ravenous Thorn Beast or a Basher, you know, even when it's card disadvantage to like put a ton of stats on the board. But it, man, yeah, <laughs> like getting three for one is, is makes me a little nervous um <laughs> the one cool thing I, I i wonder if it works this way you know it says you may sacrifice a unit other than the wielder to give the wielder plus two plus two so if you like dark return the the wielder will have the plus two plus two right so yeah that's an interesting part of the mechanic of this i i'm curious if they did that so that if you like recurred the weapon the weapon wasn't just growing and growing and growing <laughs> if that was the right. reason for it but you know regardless of the reason it, it is interesting because there are some unit recursion effects in the new set and there might be some of the curated backs so like being able to return the unit when the unit is bigger or if you've got a revenge unit that you play this on i'm just now thinking about that i didn't think about it before when i picked this card uh, there are revenge units in the new set, and if you're giving that unit plus two plus two, and it revenges and destinies into your deck, that's pretty powerful as well. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, now you're getting plus six plus six for three power, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. All right, so my card this week is Volunteer Corpse, uh, which is a two cost zero two colorless Valkyrie. Um, with the contract two, draw a sigil of your choice from your deck, and then ultimate, pay six to give volunteer corpse flying and plus two attack for each type of inf influence you have. Um, and then contract is just like an extra cost you can pay. We'll go into more detail about that later if you don't know what contract is, um, but you can pay an extra two over the course of multiple turns even. Um, to to draw a sigil of your choice from your deck. So this is like one of the few um, sort of power fetching cards in the format is reminiscent of Amber Acolyte, which is the three cost two one uh, in time where you can draw a sigil from your deck. So this is like a four cost zero two, but you can pay in installments. Um, but also it can become like a small flyer in the late game usually, or if you're crazy enough to go five color, it could be a big flyer. Um, do you have any thoughts about this card? 
Yeah, and then one thing, I think you said it was plus two attack for each type of influence, but I think it's plus one. Um, yeah, but plus, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. That could still be anywhere between a, a one, two, and five, two flying, which can be powerful. Uh, I agree with what you're saying. I, I've heard people undervaluing this as well, and I always say, like, you know, I listen to other people's opinions, so I'm always going to bring up what I'm hearing from the community, because I don't know that my first instincts are always correct, so that's why I always do that. But I have I've heard people like kind of down on this card, but I've also heard lots of complaints about the fixing in this set and format. So you can't have it both ways. If this is one of your only ways to fix, and you want you're thinking about splashing a third or more colors, if you're crazy, <laughs> fourth or fifth, uh, then you might need to play this card at some point, or you know. Like seek powers only six x weight in the curated packs, and there's not a whole lot of other fixing, so this might be one of your only ways to fix. But it is kind of like a four cost seek power, uh, and you have an O2 body which isn't doing much blocking or attacking. But then the ultimate could come into play later in, in kind of a slower game, uh, and flying units can always swing the game one way or the other, so. I think time will tell like how effective this card is. I think it has potential though. Um, so I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss it. Yeah. Yeah. I think this card can go either way a, a little bit, um, depending on how the speed of this format shakes up, you know, the slower the format becomes the, uh, the better this card becomes, I think, because right now, you know, one of the, pro the issues, uh, you can have with this card is if you play it on turn two, it's a two drop that's not like a great two drop because you play it on turn two with no contract, you're just playing a two power O2, which is not good. Or if you do contract it, you're also taking your turn three off uh, because uh, you, you know you're using up two of your turn three power, and unless you happen to have a one drop, which is unlikely that you had two one drops in your opening hand or whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, you're not really making use of your turn three. Now, if the format allows that, then, hey, drawing more power is great. Um, but if people are playing uh, a lot of two drops, then you're in trouble. And uh, I think one of the one of the tricky spots for this card right now is one of the better two drops in the format I've found is the um, in the draft packs in Shadow the two cost two two with infiltrate plus two plus two. That card hard punishes this card because you're um, taking your turn two off, so that card gets to attack in, and you either block, and you've you know you've now literally played a, a four cost seek power, or they now have a four four. Um, you know, but if if the, those weightings ever change, um, or people you know slow down or whatever, because in in um, Cold Hunt there's not a ton of two drops to really punish like a slow start like that. So hey, maybe you can take turn two um, and part part of turn three off. I don't know, but also it's tricky because I do think. You know, for splashing, this is one of the only ways to get fixing. But with Inscribe, you know, a, a card like Amber Acolyte 
or like a, the favors are a lot less useful because you sort of have free versions in a, in scribe and so this like oh i i just need this card to draw more power is maybe less uh you know less valuable this format so i'll be interested to see how this shakes out but um so far i feel like like you were saying very mixed reaction and so maybe maybe i think for now i'm leaning towards avoiding using this in my decks and sort of avoiding playing it on turn two in let it, unless i'm like very sure i can survive the only turns because you're really taking two turns off with this card Hmm. All right. Um, then we also do our seven win run breakdown. People are sending in decks uh, fast and furious. Uh, so this is our data collection project here at Farming Internal, where listeners or the general community, might, heck, you don't listen to the show, you can still submit lists. You wouldn't be hearing this pitch for it, but you can do it, and we'll put it in there. And and this is where we collect everyone's seven win deck lists for people to peruse and we get some stats, figure out what cards are being played, what factions are being played. And then we also give a shout out on the podcast. So we have a couple of new contributors. And then I think we haven't done this in a while. So we have a lot of veteran contributors. So let me burn right through this. So our new contributors are Flamescar and Mike J. Thank you. And then for veteran contributors, we have Abednego, Agent Dynamo, Alex Fierro, Avgot, Cigar Peak, Tillian, Darth Herman 2, D. Vincent, Fast Cookie, Frafa, Full Robot, Gunner116, Hats on Lamps, I'm So Bad, It Belong No, Jed the Hamrid, John Holio, Meavers, Mr. Colwell, Noth, Old Rich, Out on a Limb, Potamaru, Raven Dragon, Sokoma Chaos, Steve Irwin, Tempest Dragon King, Vader, Yemian, and Zias Jostrom, uh, 35. So thank you very much for taking the time to submit a list. And this is a great time to do it. And I'll have the new spreadsheet up and out there, hopefully in the next day or so, so that we can see how people are doing so far in Cold Hunt. Whew. Well, we made it through that. Who does that? Um, <laughs> we're we're now uh, we're now on to hopefully the part where you'll talk a little bit more. I can only <laughs> hope. Uh, and that is our main topic, which is sort of just a rundown of Cold Hunt. We have a lot to talk about, so I think we'll just dive right into it. Um, where I wanted to start are the the new mechanics. Uh, so do you want to explain what the new mechanics and themes of this set are? I think that's a great place to sort of figure out what's going on. Yeah, let's set. take a look. So we'll start with Inscribe. So Inscribe is an effect similar to how Pledge worked, where a card can be played as power, uh, except there's no turn limitation, so it can be any turn played as power or as the spell's effect by paying the cost, or sorry, card's effect by paying the cost. Uh, the one caveat is that the power is depleted. Uh, so, for instance, Warning Shot is a zero-cost fire spell uh, with Inscribe or deal one damage. So you can play it as a depleted firepower, or you can play it as a spell to deal one damage, uh, which is kind of interesting that it's zero cost to deal one damage uh, for that particular one. But in general, this will allow players more flexibility to have cards that can either be played as power uh, or as the card's effect. So uh, it doesn't fix, you know, faction influence 
as much as something like a seat power or something, but it does fix uh, hands where you're short on power and might allow you to run less power in your deck. What do you think about Inscribe? Yeah, I I think you summed it up pretty well. I think the Inscribe is a super powerful mechanic. It's made uh, very interesting in Eternal because Eternal has a hard, you have to run at least 15 power limit. So even if your deck had 30 inscribed cards uh, that could all be played for power, you would still have to run your 15 power. Um, and so I do think at some point, like the marginal um, inscribed cards become less valuable. There's like a, a dismantle, which is the one time uh, fast spell with inscribed. And it says, kill an enemy attachment with cost four or less. And so, you know, like maybe you play one of those in your deck because worst comes to worst, you could play it for power if your opponent plays no no attachments. But it's th this isn't a card you want to put five in thinking like, oh, I'll just always play this as power and then I'll use it if I need to. Um, I, I do, I have been, I've played four drafts so far and all of my drafts uh, for better or worse have played 15 power plus uh, five plus inscribed cards is has been the general makeup of my deck so far. Have you noticed that the power being depleted has come into to play very often? Because from people I've played against and even myself, um, it can really hurt your tempo, especially when you've got these like contract debt payments and you play a power that's depleted, it doesn't pay off any of the debt this turn and then you're hurt a little bit more next turn, or if you're playing depleted power next turn, then it's harder to pay off the debt and stuff. So I have seen people just blank on turns because of depleted powers that affected you. It has not so far, I think. Um, and I, I don't know why, why that necessarily is. I did have one game where I kept getting stuck on power, uh, which felt like I just never drew my inscribed cards, even though I had, I think I had seven in my deck and was playing uh, 15 power. And then I kept getting stuck at three or four power. Uh, but I think that draft was an anomaly. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I found that like, as long as, you, you know, because you're, you're, if your curve's still pretty low, then as long as you're using your inscribed card early, um, you, you know, as long as you still have proper sequencing, and I feel like it hasn't affected me much. You know, you, 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 you just got to commit. You got to be like, you know what? I only have two regular power in my hand. I'm just, I'm inscribing this, inscribing this card on turn one, even though I might draw two power off the top. It's just, it's worth it to do that and not play with depleted power. Yeah, Instead I guess. Instead of getting greedy with the inscribe. And I like that it adds some kind of like skill requirement for sequencing. Like, yes. I mean, that's al that's already been a thing with certain depleted powers or some of the dual power cards, etc. cetera. Um, but it, it adds a little more difficulty to sequencing. I think maybe the, the time where it's going to hurt the most is when you're at five, you've got this six cost card that you need to play. And then you top deck and inscribe guard, and now you've got depleted power. That's not going to let you play this turn. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree that that, you know, that is, that is, yeah, especially when, <laughs> when it is also a six drop that you kind of want to play. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it is interesting, but I've, so far th that's been how I've been building my decks and kind of, you know, I, I do think the fact that you have to play 15 power sort of safeguards you a little bit from playing all depleted power decks. You know, you still always do have your 15 sigils in your deck. So, um, you know, it, it's almost like when you think about deck thinning and then you, you do the math and you realize deck thinning has almost negligible effect, you know, like you're only really running you know, you know, like like we're talking about with seek power, right? It's like if you had if you had three seek powers in your deck, you would run fifteen power and three seeks most likely. Um, and if you have seven inscribed cards and fifteen power, it's just like running three seeks and fifteen power. You, you, you know, that's just like the the cost you pay for the flexibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyone who's run into me in the queues probably sees my decks can be pretty low to the ground a lot. So I think I was already running 15 power, probably 80 or 90% of the time, which, I mean, everyone tells me I'm crazy, but my results have been all right. <laughs> so this, it hurts, it stings a little bit, because this doesn't help me too much. <laughs> it does help right. me from getting punished as much, but... You know, I don't know that I was getting punished too much from from lowing, from running too little power, but I, it helps me a little bit. But I think it helps everyone else a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, though I do think this can help in low cost decks too, if especially if you're running powerful two or three influence cards, because then if you if you're running like a three cost FF card, right? then if you're at three power, you can just inscribe one of your fire cards to get that second fire influence. Um, you know, so it, it allow it can, in a two faction deck, it can sort of help you play, uh, you know, sort of higher influence cost cards more easily. Yeah. All right. So on to the next mechanic, contract. All right. So we talked about this a little bit with, uh, with your card of the week. But contract lets you pay an additional cost, somewhat like Amplify. You can only do it once. Um, and you can pay it over X number of turns where <laughs> you have to pay it all off eventually. And it's just going to steal your available power as you get it. So, for instance, Lava Blood Rager is a six-cost FF, 5-5. Um, five, five. Sentinel, uh, contract three, exhaust and deal one damage to an enemy unit. So if you have six available power and you play this, you take the three debt and have to pay it off as soon as you get it. If you have more than six available power, it'll take available power until it gets paid off. So it's important for sequencing. Like if you have nine available power and you play this, it's just going to eat all of your power. Um, whereas if you play a three cost card and then play this, this will get played and you can actually take the debt and pay it off next turn. Um, so that's how contract and debt works. Um, it's very interesting 
uh, and can lead to some like playing things earlier than you would have, but then like paying for it in the future. So it can kind of eat up your future turns, like you mentioned with that two drop, where if you pay two for a two drop and have contract two, then your turn three, you're going to lose two power. So it's interesting. I like it. Um, some of the cards are very powerful, like Chloric Mix is a two primal fast spell, deal three damage to an attacking enemy, contract two, deal six to it instead. So if you just have two power open and they're attacking, you can deal six damage to an enemy attacking unit uh, with just that two open power and just pay two more next turn. So, you know, people know that card exists so they can expect it, but that's a powerful effect to have, like just waiting in your hand and only holding up two powers. So uh, I do like the mechanic and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to play around. Yeah. Yeah, th these run the sort of the full gamut because there's like chloric mix. There's the the justice pump spell. There's a two J um, fast spell that gives you plus two plus two, and then for contract three, you can gain an additional plus three plus three. So for two power, you can get plus five plus five, and then you do have to pay off the debt. But if you eat one of their creatures or heck with plus five plus five. You could probably you could eat two of their creatures uh, sometimes if they're double blocking or whatever, or that's a lot of damage for lethal damage. Like you don't have to pay off your debt if if you kill them. Um, <laughs> so there are very powerful effects that you can play early, and then there are just like cards like the Slava Blood Rager is just like a kind of a a, a weird card because like six costs five five, not not super great base rate. And then, you know, for an extra three, you can exhaust a unit or possibly kill it if it has, if it's an X one, you know, like you're paying a, a lot. You know, if you compare this to, uh, you know, draft all-star, um, oh, what's the card with warp? Uh, you know, the, the six cost five, six with warp deal one damage, right? Like, that card for six cost it can draw a card and kill something while this you're paying like nine nine for a five five um, <laughs> that does that sort of and you don't draw a card like warp you can sometimes so yeah. there's just like some of these contract costs are just like are, are weirdly expensive to me so i i i you know it's like i think it's card by card and it'll also be you know format contextual like if all the cards are bad then you know then the bad cards are suddenly good so yeah uh, you know it's kind of a nice power sink to use your excess power if you have yeah. it but if the base card is lava blood rager then you're not really happy like if you have nine power and the best thing you can do is play a five five that's a little disappointing <laughs> regardless of the contract effect yeah <laughs> Or like a, a card like Warrior Monk, which is the six time time six five overwhelm contract five, you gain five life. Like gaining five life not worth worth five power. Or you know, and paying eleven for a six five that gains you five is a lot of cost. So like if you're at like six power and you top deck this, are you paying the contract cost? Like, I have no idea. Because that means if you draw something good next turn, 
you're not playing it. And so it's just like a, a really weird card. Or if it's really late game, I hope you've gotten to a point. I don't know. It feels like you've gotten to a point where the five health doesn't matter. So I don't know. I, it just a lot of interesting things going on. Definitely. Uh, all right. And then the the final uh, quote unquote mechanic is sort of a theme of the set, and that is heroes. So um, heroes have been a thing that have always been in the game. Uh, you know, they, they've never been denoted on the card, but you could like look up hero and it would tell you like sort of show you the list of named characters. Um, they, they changed the frame. And so now it does say hero in the middle of the card between its power and toughness. So you can visually see what cards are heroes or not. And then uh, we have our sort of first uncommon heroes. Um, so there's one in each color uh, at uncommon. Uh, one example, for example, the fire one, and maybe the best of the bunch is uh, Bang, Sheriff of Dune Hill, which is four fire fire, three, three, Yeti gunslinger, summon, play a random weapon on Bang, and then take debt equal to its cost. And then the debt is sort of, is like the contract cost. And so, if you got a four cost weapon on it and you and you play bang on four, so you used all four of your power to play bang. And then next turn, you would subtract four power paying the debt from whatever from the four cost weapon that came on bang. Um, so far I've played bang twice and I got a heavy axe and a worn shield. So uh, not, <laughs> not high rolling <laughs> bang quite yet, but... Um, uh, but I think this is a pretty powerful card, and I think random card effects in draft tend to just be to overperform because you have access to the to rares and legendaries um, when you when you roll something. Uh, yeah, and then there are a few cards that care about heroes. Uh, interestingly, these are also all at uncommon. So uh, there's a victimless crime. Uh, which says is a two shadow fast spell, kill a non-hero unit. Um, this is an incredible card because as I just described, there are only five uncommon heroes. So your opponent is very likely to be playing a lot of units that are non-heroes. Um, and then there's also cards like uh, in Primal, there's a two cost one one Yeti uh, that says, when you play a hero, draw a card. So there's often at Uncommon uh, some of these like draw engine effects. What's interesting in this set is, as, as I keep reiterating, there are only five Uncommon uh, heroes, and it's one in each color. And so I just can never imagine this Yeti being playable. Uh, there's just no way you can get a density of heroes to make a two-cost one-one that draws you a card when you play a hero playable. So I think this is a pretty under-supported theme for draft. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> this probably see a lot more in constructed, which I don't dip my feet into at all. <laughs> but in draft, yeah, we're not gonna be seeing a bunch of heroes. So cards like victimless crime will be stronger potentially in draft. And cards like that Yeti that you mentioned would be harder to build around in draft. So yeah, I think it's an under-supported theme. 
the curated packs, as you mentioned, heroes in the historically have been almost all rare or legendary other than I guess hero of the people, which got made into a hero at uncommon. Yeah. Um, there was a, a, a Reddit campaign that, that got that <laughs> changed to a hero. So you're not going to see a ton of heroes in your opponent's decks. The ones you do see that are rare or legendary, you're, you're going to wish victimless crime killed it, but <laughs> that's okay. We'll have plenty of other targets. It's never going to not have a target. There's no way they have all heroes in their deck. So, you know, the things that, you know, punish you for not being able to target heroes are not really going to be an issue, but it's going to be hard to build around the ones that, that uh, like, reward you for playing heroes. Yes. All right. And then uh, there are a few returning mechanics. Uh, we'll quickly go through these. Um, the one is uh, a couple units have Valor, so that seems to be, have become a evergreen mechanic. Uh, Valor is the one that gives a unit plus one plus one uh, every for each unit blocking it uh, for the for that combat. And then uh, Fire Time and Shadow each have uh, two Revenge cards, which uh, means when a card with Revenge dies. Uh, it gains destiny and then gets shuffled into the top 10 cards of your deck. Um, so you can draw it a second time. So it's kind of like two bodies for one if you survive uh, long enough to, to draw it a second time. And then when you do draw it, you automatically play it. So you're not even paying for the, the, the second time. And then you, uh, you draw it, play it, and then you draw a card to replace it. Um, so it's a very powerful mechanic. Uh, but like I said, uh, Fire has two commons with Revenge, and then Time and Shadow each have a common and an uncommon with Revenge. So uh, not that prevalent, but they're very powerful cards. And then uh, I think the big returning mechanic, um, there is a cycle of, I think, 10 cards that have Invoke. It's an uncommon cycle, and they're each uh, there are 10 two-color cards, and they Invoke for the two colors, um, which means... Uh, what Invoke does is when you play a card with Invoke, you play the card, you get its effect, and then you get to uh, a screen will pop up with uh, three cards to choose from. Um, and one of them will be a unit, an attachment, and a spell are the three columns. And they can be any rarity. So like I said, random cards tend to be very good in draft because you have a, you have a much higher chance of hitting a rare and legendary card. And so because there is Invoke in this format, we're going to be seeing a lot more uh, rares and legendaries that didn't start in a deck uh, be played against you. So that is a, th a thing you need to always keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Invoke. I don't want to talk too badly about Invoke, but I don't like random swingy effects like that. Um I play draft because they're typically underpowered cards. You have to build a deck out of like a mishmash of like things that would never see play in expedition. So if you're invoking a, a rare or legendary that's super powerful and winning a game because you played an uncommon card, uh, that's not a great feeling when you're on the opposite end of it. When you're the one invoking, if you're if you're pulling like this crazy legendary that you get to play and win the game, I'm sure it feels pretty good. But uh, I don't like the the randomness and swinginess of it personally. 
I think all these cards are playable. I will play them. It's not going to stop me from like <laughs> handicapping myself by not playing them. Um, they're all very good because the fixing is not great in this set. I don't know that I would splash any of the invoke cards um, just because like that might ruin your power base for an effect like that that's going to be random that you could just completely whiff on anyway. Uh, notable that there's an 11th invoke card in the set. Um, that is a, a unit, and it's a three-time um, shadow, three-one mystic, um, Delef free profit. It's unblockable, and then when a player plays a spell directly on it, sacrifice him to invoke uh, time shadow. So, I mean that that's a powerful card as well. But again, I I don't know if I would splash any of these. Um, and there's been a lot of talk you know in the community about invoke and it its nickname is winvoke so we'll see how the, the reaction is and how it plays out yeah yeah i think what's interesting is uh first that these are two colors unlike the previous invoke cycle uh but also uh, there are a few exceptions but the effects and costs seem less powerful than uh the the previous uh, uncommon cycle that we got, where those were it, like invoke was just like tacked on a totally playable card in with those cards. These you were definitely paying a little extra to get the invoke um, or draw a card. But again, if that card's like a, a bomb, then you know you're happy to pay a, a, a little extra. I think this is true. Yeah, and some of the previous invoke cycles had like decimate and things that kind of hurt you as well. Um, and these don't have that, but yeah, you're overpaying for the effect on almost all of these. One of them's like a combat trick that's a slow spell, and I, I watched. Uh, I won't say the name of the streamer. <laughs> like try to play it mid combat and be like, oh, that's slow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I think that'll lead us right into that. Uh, the next thing I kind of wanted to talk about were the, the color pairs. So in this set, um, each of the color pairs has um, an uncommon invoke card and a common card. And then a few have an extra uncommon uh, card. It's a little random. There, It feels like there was like a, a complete cycle and then like an incomplete uh, cycle of cards thrown in there. But uh, I kind of wanted to go through these to see if any of these sort of hint at what maybe uh, that tribe is kind of trying to do. Um, all right. So uh, to start with Praxis, this is that invoke card you're talking about. It's Ramba's Challenge, which is a three fire time. Uh, spell, not a fast spell. It says give a unit plus three attack and invulnerable to damage this turn, and it has invoke fire time. And then the common is uh, Graviturgist, which is a four fire time, one four, flying endurance, contract three, give it plus three attack and charge this turn. So these are uh, two. I think under underpowered cards, like uh, I guess a four cost one four with flying endurance is pretty interesting, but and it gets one big hit in. But unlike the um, 
the Skycrag card from uh, last set, the four cost one four, one four that you could pay for to give it, um, maybe that was even three cost, but you could pay for to give it plus three attack. Uh, and you could do that multiple times per turn even, and you could do it every turn. Uh, this, with the contract, you just get one shot at it being a 4-4 four, four with charge, and then it's for then on just a 1-4 with endurance. Yeah, I'm not seeing much theme here, but you're right. They're, they both seem kind of, I mean, I'll play Ramba's Challenge for the invoke. But uh, to, to slow cost, hey, my unit's invulnerable. And they're like, oh, great. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. um, is again, yeah, not the strongest. You'd throw it on an overwhelm unit and you're, you're happy, right? And it pairs well with, with things like the 3 1 that plays the, the rampage uh, when it comes rampage out of spell. Uh, uh, yeah, so giving the unit that you gave overwhelm. Uh, invulnerable and then invoking uh, is good, but yeah, I mean it is slow, so it, it's it's uses are limited. And then you know one four flying endurance for four. I don't know that Praxis is trying to just defend the air, and it's not a great attacker. Like it's just going to ping away slowly. So I don't know what Praxis's theme is, but I'm not sure if this fits it or not. Yeah, exactly. And I think like you know both. Uh, fire and time do have a, a couple flyers, but none of them appear great. And there's really not much extra support with them. Like uh, the only the only real buff spell is the uh, is the fire common, the five cost uh, four three with revenge that gives your your team plus one attack, which is a good card. But you know, um, yeah. So yeah, not sure what, what what's going on uh, with Praxis. No super real theme here. Uh, Rakana uh, has two uncommons. It's one of the cards with two uncommons, and it has uh, Sensari Trident, which is the three fire uh, fire justice relic weapon, and it's a three three, no text. So it's just a three cost three three relic weapon which is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, and then there's also the Invoke card, which is uh, Free Fire, which is the four Fire Justice. Give a unit plus one attack, Quick Draw, and Life Steal this turn, and then uh, Invoke Rakano. And then its common is a two-cost uh, Rakano, Fast Spell, deal three damage to an enemy, or kill an enemy curse. Uh, yeah, so what's your thoughts about Rakano? I think I think all three of these are relatively strong. I think all three of them are better than both of the Praxis ones. A 3-3 three, three Relic Weapon for three, perfectly playable. Um, not super excited, but it's perfectly playable for sure. Uh, free Fire is a usable combat trick. Uh, it costs four but you're overpaying for the effect because you're getting the invoke. So I think that's fair, right? I don't think it's busted, but I think I would definitely play this. Um, holding four up in Rakano is not my favorite thing. It's not something I do very often, but you know it's an aggressive card, so it's not like you're holding up power for your opponent's turn. Breach the defenses, uh, decent removal. Uh, I mean, 
three fast speed, three fast speed damage for two. Can't complain about that. Um, and it can go straight to the face for some reach later. And then killing an enemy curse, uh, that part could come into play very rarely. But I think when you do want that, you really want it. Like if they have manacles and you're like, I'm going to destroy manacles, then <laughs> then that becomes like really good for you. Um, so, you know, in those clutch situations where it actually matters, that will see play. But I think dealing three damage is certainly a card I would play in Rakano. Yep, and then there's also the the diminish the one cost uh, justice uh, curse that summon given enemy unit minus attack or set its attack to zero, um, and then if you destroy the curse, it, it replenishes its attack. And so this is one of the few ways to deal with that. And that seems like a pretty powerful card that you might see pretty pre- prevalently because it's a common in the set. Right, and destroying that curse fast speed can blow out, you know, a combat for them, so it could be a two-for-one. Yeah. So, yeah, so this has some, I think, some good cards for Rakano. Rakano seems like it'll be pretty aggressive, and so Free Fire, a little expensive, um, but, you know, it'll help you win in combat, and then the other two are just, like, respectably rated uh, removal spells. All right, then Skycrag. Skycrag only has uh, two cards. It has its uncommon invoke cycle, which is uh, Frostburn, which is a three fire primal. Uh, Deal two damage to an enemy or one damage to two enemies and then invoke Skycrag. And then Twin Flame Brood, which is the five uh, fire primal. It's a one four dragon with flying and double damage. Let's see. Frostburn looks interesting. Uh, I mean, like, Ruinous Burst was playable. This is slow speed. Uh, One damage to two enemies could two for one. I do see lots of X1s in this format. So, and it reveals stealth units or up to two different stealth units. So there's a lot of uses for Frostburn. Uh, For three, you know, or just two to one enemies is is respectable. Uh, Three, it's a little overcosted, but again, you're invoking and it's one of the cheaper invoke spells, I believe, at three. So that, I mean, I would definitely play that in Skycrag. Twin Flame Brood, one four flying double damage for five. Not super impressed by, like, it, it really depends how many weapons and permanent buffs or temporary buffs that we have. But without something like Scythe Flash in the current set, I don't know how many ways there are to pump this and really like make use of the double damage. Yeah, this is a, a it's interesting because I do feel like there are a few cards that care about weapons. And then at least in Cold Hunt, uh, not a ton of weapons. So like Fire at Common has Accordion, which is the one cost one one uh, weapon. Then, uh, like I was saying, it has uh, Calderon Captain, which is the uh, five-cost unit that gives your other units plus one attack. So both of those pair well with um, with with the dragon. But then in Primal, there's no weapon at common uh, that does it, and there's really only one pump spell. Uh, so you're going to have to be looking in the draft packs um, or splashing another color to really make the best use of this dragon. So it seems a little un- under-supported 
uh, as a card and paying paying five for that is a pretty pretty expensive so then next is stone scar uh in stone scar again there's two cards there's wrong turn that's a four cost spell the enemy player chooses and sacrifices a unit relic or site invoke stone scar um, and then there is uh, a relic weapon stone break Stonebreaker Bow, which is a two-cost Fire Shadow, a 2-1 Relic Weapon, Overwhelm, uh, and then Contract 2, give Bow, or give Stonebreaker Bow plus two attack. So for two-cost, it's a 2-1. For four-cost, it's a 4-1 uh, weapon with Overwhelm. So Stonebreaker Bow is fantastic. I mean, it, it looks a lot like um, Magma Javelin as a 4-1 weapon. Uh, 4-1 Relic Weapon for 4, if you want it to be, uh, but also with Overwhelm, and then you don't have to pay it all medi immediately. So that card's great. Um, again, this is not another one of those where the bonus sticks on the on the card, so if you do pull it back from the Void, you've got a bigger weapon that you can make even bigger. Um, so that's fantastic. I think Wrong Turn... Yeah. Actually, before I move on, Stonebreaker Bow, you can also just attack a 1-1 one -one or something if you want a little extra reach at the end of the game and just deal three to their face. So um, lots of uses for it. Wrong turn, the effect they choose and sacrifice it. Anytime you give an opponent a choice or the card says the enemy player chooses, other than factor fiction from Magic, <laughs> they're typically underpowered. So there's times where they have a single unit or something and it's huge and this kills it and that's fantastic and then there's times where they have five units on the board you play this and they sacrifice a one one so that effect i don't see it being great a lot but i could be completely wrong uh yeah. it is invoke and paying for to draw an invoke card i mean maybe that's good enough by itself yeah yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a guaranteed two for one. You know, the, the unit you kill may not be great, but you are definitely killing something uh, it, I, as long as they have a board, I guess. <laughs> so that's, you know, the one of the few ones that's like a guaranteed uh, two for one as long as they have anything on the board. Mm -hmm. All right. Then there's Combray. Um and I guess both of these sort of imply a pretty aggressive, aggressive deck. Hmm. Um, which is, you know, like that's I think where wrong turn is the is at its best, is you're attacking a lot, they're trading off with you, and then they play their big unit thinking they stabilized, you wrong turn, they have to sacrifice their big unit, you get some damage in, you hopefully draw <laughs> up a bomb to help finish them off you play that next turn and then you're you know you yeah no you're right that's that's the ideal situation for it <laughs> all right uh then Combray has three cards um two uncommons one is alessi's choice which is a two Combray kill an enemy unit with four attack or more or kill an enemy relic with cost four or more uh pull from duty which is a three cost uh, fast spell, put one of your units into your hand and give it plus one, plus one. Invoke 
um, Cambrai. And then its common is Dive Bomber, which is three Cambrai, two, three, flying, pay three and sacrifice Dive Bomber to kill an enemy unit with five health or more. Okay, so Alessi's choice, uh, two cost to remove a unit for attacker more seems great to me, even at slow speed. Um, not much to say about that. I mean, it's hard removal for units with four attacker more. I know um, this is uncommon, but are you playing like multiples of these or? Like Alessi's choice? Yes. Or you're I like, think- okay, I got. One in my deck to deal with a big thing, but I don't want, you know, two dead cards in my hand if they play nothing. Time will tell, but I've, I'm seeing a lot of big units, and, like, Warrior Monk, the 6-5 Overwhelm Time unit and stuff like that is just, like, running amok in draft <laughs> from what I've seen so far, and I see lots of 5Xs and 4Xs, so I think I would play multiples of this, personally. Okay. Uh, I mean... I don't know how many games you're just going to have dead copies of this in your hand. But again, yeah, time will tell. I I can't tell yet. But I would play it. I would play at least one, that's for sure. Pull from Duty. I I never really played the last version of this, which was like a one cost that put your unit into your hand and gave it plus one, plus one. But holding up one was a lot easier than holding up three. So I don't know how how many turns you can just have all this open power where you're going to get like really good value out of this. I mean, I guess there are summon effects or ultimate effects or contract effects where you can reuse them with this. Uh, you can know. pay 11 again and get five more. <laughs> right. So I don't, I don't know how often I would use it for that. Um, probably a lot less often to just save a unit that was going to die to a removal. Um, but it, again, it's an invoke card. So, I think if you have a powerful come-into-play effect and then you can reuse it and you can invoke for three, then totally playable. Dive Bomber looks really good. Like, pay three and sacrifice it to kill an enemy unit with five health or more. Um, I mean, a 2-3 flyer for three is probably playable vanilla. It is two factions, so that's why we're getting the extra ability because, like, a two-faction 2-3 flyer for two or for three... uh, not as good, but being able to kill an enemy unit with five attack or, or five health or more seems decent. I think there's a lot of units mm-hmm. with less health than attack, so I'm not sure how many units this can target. Yes, and what's nice is because this is like an ability, so this is, uh, you know, you can still use this ability if your opponent plays like a diminish or a permafrost or something like that on dive bomber. You know, it it makes those kind of removals less good against it. Mm-hmm. True. All right, and then uh, yeah, so again, interesting that Cambrai has a a, a flyer as its uh, two color pair. Um, all right, next is Elysian. Uh, the the it has three cards again. Uh, the invoke card is Curiox's Hunt which is a four-cost Elysian, give a unit killer, invoke, uh, time, time prim- invoke, invoke time primal. And then open your eyes, which is a, a three Elysian uh, spell, transform a unit into a random unit that costs two more, 
gain three health, gain health equal to the new unit's health. And then the common is Torgov's Wares, which is a three cost spell, draw two cards, then discard a card and gain two life. Yeah, so Kirox's Hunt, uh, giving a unit killer, like seems like decent removal, especially if you've got bigger units in time, uh, or potentially primal, um, and then of course, invoke, so I would play any of the invoke cards. Uh, open your eyes is just a poor man's fluctuate reality, like you can't, um, you can't devalue your opponent's units with this card, you can only transform your, you know, a unit into a more expensive unit. So, I, I don't like that, and it doesn't have Amplify. And the life gain, I'm not sure how relevant that is. So, I probably wouldn't even play that card. Um, Torgov's Wares, there's some life gain uh, payoff. So, if you have something that pays off from life gain, you can use this. Otherwise, like, I would rather have, like, draw two for three. Like, you're drawing two and discarding a card. So, I don't know how much I love that. And it's an affection pairing where... Like, there's not a lot of discard synergies or discard payoffs, so. No. And it's weird because all of the life gain synergies, which there are a couple in the set, are, uh, again, at uncommon. Um, so it's not like a heavily supported theme. It's just like a, a sub-theme in there. Um, I will say I, I my current deck has a Torgov's Wares in it, and I've been, like, happy with it. It's, uh, you know, it's a slower deck trying to play a lot of big things and so uh you know when you're alive it's like this is more card filtering than card advantage but it's been fine but the two health is you know negligible so it, it's kind of not a card i'm excited for and i would always play wisdom of the elders over it i think uh, that's how that's how little card draw cards i play that i forgot the name of wisdom of the elders <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and then Curiox's Hunt is kind of interesting in the sense that you're, like, really overpaying for this ability. You know, like, give a unit killer is a one-cost spell. This is four, so you're paying three for the invoke, more or less. Um, so I've been, like, shying away from this card a little bit, but I think probably wrongly, because invoke is just so powerful that you, you might as well play it. Um, all right, and then on to Xenon. Um there is uh, one uncommon plus this this unit you were talking about. Um, the uncommon is Midnight Disappearance, which is a five Xenon. Put a enemy unit into its owner's hand. It gets minus two, minus one, and has Invoke uh, for Xenon. And then uh, there's Indifference, which is it's uh, the common, and it's a fast spell. Choose one of your units. It can't die this turn. Okay, so this is one where, yeah, holding up one power to make your one of your units invulnerable as a fast spell um, could definitely be useful. Um, I don't know how often I would play this. Like, again, it would be hard to splash in this format, so you'd just have to be a Xenon primary deck probably to play this. But that's a pretty powerful effect for sure, especially if they're double blocking a unit or something to have a, a surprise trick like this. Um, Midnight Disappearance, it's an invoke card. Uh, this duck played against me. It turned my 2-2 into an 0-1, put it in my hand. 
and I got to play the O one and block something and live later. So <laughs> I don't know how much it affected me. <laughs> it's a slow spell, so uh, it wasn't a surprise. It's just like I'm doing something as, at sorcery speed. Uh, but it's invoke. It just it costs five. And to your point, like the amount you're overpaying on these invoke spells, you know, teleport costs two and is a fast spell. I think, although yes, uh, you know, there's an there's a two cost teleport more or less. I mean, it can only do small stuff, but there's a two cost teleport with inscribe in this format. Um, so this is a lot you know, to pay for this invoke, but you know, it is invoke still. Yes, yeah, I think indifference is is very good. Um, you know, it's kind of like a teleconnect shackles, but if you if if you have a unit, it's like you know, it's a more powerful version of the one-cost telekinetic shackles because it can negate any kill spell, um, which is which I think has shown to be pretty powerful. You know, um, all right. And then, yeah, on to Huru. Uh, Huru has uh, Bless the Wild, which is uh, a one-cost Huru card. Give a unit plus one, plus one. Contract two, negate a spell played directly on that unit, uh, and it's a fast spell. There's Icy Hold, Silence and Stun a Unit, Invoke Huru, that's four cost. And then um, Disarm, kill an attacking enemy unit uh, for a three cost fast spell. Well, I guess fast spells is the uh, the theme here. I think these yeah. are all playable. Um, I mean... Bless the Wild, it's it can be a combat trick. It can like like counter damage that they're dealing to it. It's got the contract to negate spells played directly on the unit, uh, and the the plus one plus one is permanent, so that's cool. Um, so I would definitely play that. Icy Hold is a fast spell. Silence and study unit um, for four. That's not as overcosted as some of the other ones. Um, no, definitely so not, because, like, there's Rebuke, which is the two-cost version, and that's a slow spell. Yeah, so, like, and then getting your Invoke on it, that card's great. Disarm, kill an attacking enemy unit, that's great as well. Uh, I yeah. mean, that's just solid removal, so I like all three of these. I agree. They, uh, I think Kuru so far has a, a pretty good suite of, of these cards. All right, and then um, Argent Port. Um, Argentport, it's uh, uncommon, is uh, a three-cost fast spell, stolen augmentation. Give one of your units plus one, plus one, and an enemy unit minus one, minus one, and then invoke Argentport. And again, uh, this is a permanent uh, buff and uh, debuff. And then it's uh, common is Unseen Marksman, which is a two-cost, three-three, Contract three, give an enemy unit minus one health. Yeah, both of these are fantastic too. So like Unseen Marksman, a 3-3 three, three vanilla for two would be great. It is two factions, so that's why you would get like an overstatted unit for two. Um, and then having the contract three, give an enemy unit minus one health as a permanent effect is great. And it can just straight kill something that only had one health. So this card's fantastic. Uh, stolen augmentation also fantastic. I mean, the ceiling is so high on this card because you could switch two combats 
from unfavorable to favorable, which is a four for one. Like you could save two of your units and kill two of their units by pumping one of yours in one of the combats and and uh, minus one, minus one in one of theirs in the other combat. So the ceiling is super high on that card. Uh, and just the fact that those are permanent means like you'll always have a use for it, even if it's not as a combat trick. Yep, and then you drew a card. Yeah, you drew a card that could be a bomb legendary. <laughs> All right, and then finally, Felm. Um, Felm has, it's uncommon, is Sweet Dreams, which is a five-cost fast spell. Play a unit with cost three or less from your void and give it plus two health. And then invoke Felm. And then um, Bog Fumes is its common, which is, it's a slow spell. Give a unit minus one, minus one. If it has flying, give it minus four, minus four instead. So Bog Fumes at common, I like it. I mean, it's a slow spell, but there's times where you're just going to lose to a flyer where, like, you wish you had this in your deck. Um, and, you know, Felm, they may have flyers and stuff, but if you don't have one in play or you didn't get to draft one, it could be really useful there. It does kill a fair number of just ground units as well. Like like I said, there's lots of X1s in this format from what I've seen. Sweet Dreams, it's an invoke card. It is a five-cost invoke card, so it's one of the more expensive ones. I, I can't tell yet how good that effect will be, but if you're drawing a unit from your void, it just has to be cost three or less. So, I mean, I think that'll be good most of the time. Yeah, and you're not just drawing it. That's the I think the the sort of the subtle nuance of this card is you're playing the unit and you're playing it at fast speed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I completely misread the card. I, I listened to you read it and I read it myself. Uh and then didn't even realize that you're playing it and not drawing it. So yeah, that's actually very, very good because then it's a an ambush unit. With higher yeah, so if you have head. a deadly and you're giving it plus two health, so it's more likely to survive combat. So if you manage to have uh, an expensive three cost or you use, you know, your card of the week, the, the ritual dagger, you've now given your unit plus two plus two permanently. It goes to the void and then you can sweet dreams it back. It keeps the buff. It's now bigger. It gets a bigger buff and it. it kills a unit sort of you're sort of gaining your card advantage back a little bit um so yeah this card's amazing just ignore everything i say because <laughs> yeah. sometimes i can't read but this always happens with new sets where people are like oh i didn't even realize <laughs> yeah well actually that happened to with me with bog fumes but before i get to that but yeah the, i will say the one thing is sweet dreams still does cost five so it is expensive <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, it is it's amazing it's a strong effect but it does cost five uh, and, and it's conditional because you do need things in your void um yeah bog fumes i had up until this point assumed it was this turn and thought it was kind of like a really bad card but the fact that it's permanent i think uh does help its playability a bunch yeah i think i kind of overlooked that until you just said that so i need to drink another cup of coffee and get with the program <laughs> Um, and then, uh, yeah, so are any of these cards, like, are you first picking all of these invoke cards, some of these invoke cards? Are there any of these that really call out to you as, like, trying that you would pick early to sort of lean into those factions? 
Uh, I I am so hesitant uh, to pick a two faction card, pack one, pick one, regardless of what it does. And and while invoke is strong, the the chances that you're going to end up in those factions and the lack of fixing in this format makes me really hesitant to to try to go into two factions right at the beginning. Uh, even you know once the the packs round out, bot packs are gone, and signals are clear. Pack one, pick one. You've got no signals, so it would be really hard for me to pick this over like a relatively strong single faction card. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. If whether you know, once you lose to, once we start losing to a bunch of legendaries, whether we're like, eh, maybe we need to start picking these higher, or you know, if that changes uh, as we remember invoke because we haven't had it for a, a little while. Um, you know, they didn't they didn't add the uh, the uncommon cycle in this in the whole past format. So it's been a few months since we've really felt invoke and draft. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong, like pack one, pick six or seven, like when I've got a clear signal of like, uh, you know, the signals that are coming to me, I mean, maybe pick, pick four, five, six, seven, somewhere around that time where I, I know these, these factions are getting passed to me and then pack four anytime once, cause by pack four, if you don't know your factions, you're doing a terrible job anyway. <laughs> um, so I will be picking a fair number of them. It's just, yeah, to commit that early to me, it's it's almost just like throwing a card into my market, right? Like the odds of me playing it are probably pretty low if I don't even know the, the signals yet. All right. So now we're going to move on to our top commons and uncommon sort of predictions because it's early in the format, and we'll see what cards we like in each of the colors. Um, so who does that? Uh, why don't you start with, we'll start with commons. All right. So fire commons, um, we at the same time <laughs> came up with the exact same list of three in the same order. <laughs> I yes. didn't just look at your list and copy it. Uh, the first one searing fist, and that is a two fire slow spell deal four damage to an enemy unit. Uh, just fantastic. I mean, take Torch and add one to the cost and one to the damage and make it units only. It's it's super good. Like, I wish it went face as well, but, I mean, how much more can you ask for to deal for a unit for two? Yeah. And then the second Hoof Stomp, and that is the five fire slow spell Overwhelm, deal five damage to a unit without Overwhelm. I mean, this card's fantastic. Like, it doesn't yeah. kill Warrior Monk. That's probably the, the worst thing about this card. But <laughs> I can't hold that against this. You can just hit their 1-1 one, one and deal 4 to the enemy face, like, if you need a, a finisher. Or this just kills most of the things in the format. It's so good. And deals damage to you. I, I will say, I have stumbled where, uh, you know, time does have... A, a fair number of overwhelm uh but in general you'll be <laughs> more or less and if you're playing against any other color you'll be you'll be in the clear yeah and then the third one cauldron captain uh five fire four three gunslinger uh with revenge your other units have plus one attack 
So I think go wide might be viable. I've seen a lot of like gridded in generators. There's a common one in this set. Um, so going wide, even if you're not going wide, that one extra attack can make a trade favorable or, or make it where it wasn't a trade before. And this having revenge, this can trade with something pretty big at 4-3 and then come back. And then any buffs that were made to this unit are going to be permanent when it comes back as Destiny. Yeah. This card is just feels so horrible to play against. It <laughs> it has to be a good card. It's like, <laughs> like killing it feels bad because they're just going to get it back. It pump, you know, what you think is like a board stall suddenly stops being a board stall because your opponent <laughs> plays this. Um, yeah, really good card. Um, all right, how about on to the uncommons? All right, fire uncommons. So I had uh, Battlefront Dasher as my, my top one. Um, it is a one fire, two one Oni. Uh, with contract two, give a unit plus one, plus one in charge. So it can give itself plus one, plus one in charge as well. Um, which if you're drawing this turn one and playing a three, two charge for one, I don't play constructed. I've only been playing eternal for the last four sets since uh, Argent Quartz, I want to say. Argent Depths. Um, this is one of the most aggressive units I've seen. Uh, and in this format, or in this set specifically, it is one of the, the best cheap units because there's not a lot of really good cheap units in Uncommon and Common. Uh, so I love this card. And then it can, you know, if you draw it later in the game and hold it in your hand and then you play a large unit, you can play this for one. You don't even have to pay the contract right away and you can give that unit plus one, plus one in charge. So uh, just being useful in multiple ways is so good. And then for the second one, I had Bang, which is one of the heroes. It's a you mentioned this one before, so um, yeah, getting a random weapon on it could just be a complete blowout. Uh, you could get the the plus zero plus three that you mentioned, but I saw that happen on a stream, and a three six for four wasn't bad. <laughs> it's yeah. like it became a really good blocker. <laughs> but the times yes. where it's going to be really good, it's just going to blow the game out. Yeah, I think the low roll is Mantle of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> when you're not playing any Justice. <laughs> yes. That um, is the true low, low roll. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I want to see that happen to my opponent. Just like, <laughs> serves you right. Chakram Throw was my third one. So it's a six fire fast spell. Play a plus four attack Steel Fang Chakram on one of your units. And Steel Fang Chakram has Entomb draw it from your void. Um, of course, and that card is a very good rare. So we've got the uncommon version that costs two more, but is fast. I love this card. It's expensive, so I don't know if it's right in every deck. Like, there's decks that probably don't want to get to six power if you're playing a super aggressive deck, but I, you might still just play in that deck anyway. Like, <laughs> it might be wrong to, to not play this in any deck. Yeah, I will say this card goes great on uh, the Praxis um, common, the 1-4 with Flying and Endurance. Yes, it would. <laughs> yes, it goes great on that. any flyer <laughs> or quick draw unit or overwhelm unit. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, my uh, list is pretty similar. Um, I have one uh, bang uh, for all the reasons you said. Number two is Battlefront Dasher. I have bang first just because it, I have found it to be such sort of an impactful unit. And it ha I mean, it's a little bit high variance, but the, there's not actually that many low rolls, like you were saying, even like uh, four or five costs, depending on how you want to describe it, um, you know, three, six or whatever is it and turns into a pretty good unit um and then uh for number three i have bullseye i think shotgun throws a really great card i think i'm happy to play it but uh bullseye is the one fire fast spell deal two damage to an enemy unit or site or kill an enemy relic with cost two or less uh mostly for the first mode but i am definitely you know i'm playing char in my deck and i'm I will play multiple chars and this format seems like it has a lot of small units so i think it's particularly uh valuable yeah bullseye is definitely great um it would be probably my fourth pick or i mean it, it probably could have made third i just uh you know i love steel fang chakram <laughs> yeah exactly no no there's no judgment. It just uh, you know, I just put it. I put it above Chakram just because I'm probably only playing one Chakram, but I'll play three Bullseyes if uh, if True offered story. to me. <laughs> All right, so on to time. Uh, time is where I think we we have the biggest divergence. So. All right, so I've got Warrior Monk as number one. You don't have it at all, but I <laughs> this thing's popping up all the time in drafts, and I can't kill it with hoof stomp, so <laughs> so now I'm valuing it highly. So the six uh, double time six five warrior mystic uh, with overwhelm contract five, you gain five life. So the contract part again, I don't know when you want to pay five to gain five life, but if you're in a race or a close game or if you're close to dead and you need to stabilize, I could see it happening. Uh, but just a six, five overwhelm for six, you know, it's no populist controller, but it having overwhelm is a, is a plus. Um, I, it's just a, a good beefy unit on six, which time likes saddled Sarasaur I had for the second one. Uh, so that's the two cost two, two dinosaur contract three, give another one of your units killer. Um, it's great. I've just, I've seen it work so well. Um, and time has revenge units. And if you're pairing this in a, a faction pairing with more revenge units, then you can like kill something or trade with something with the revenge unit, get it back and has killer again. So I've seen this be very effective. And then I had Carnosaur beta, which was a seven time dinosaur five, five with inscribe and revenge uh you know after it's five five for seven but at least you get two five fives for seven if you live long enough to see the the revenge come back if it dies <laughs> and it's got inscribe yeah. so if it's too expensive for you just play it as a power yep uh yeah i think maybe i'm just holding this ridiculous contract on warrior monk uh, uh, too <laughs> again <laughs> too hard against it um because <laughs> You know, the fact that this has overwhelm, that's always a that's like one of the best keywords you can have on a, a, a big unit, which Warrior Monk is, though, you know, five health is a little worrisome, but it does still dodge a lot of removal, as you were talking about. 
you know, mm-hmm. se- searing fist doesn't kill it. And then uh, the uh, that, uh, the other one, hoof stomp doesn't kill it. So it is dodging things. You know, I just didn't put either of the big y- units on my list only because it felt like they're just like a lot of big units already. So I didn't really need to prioritize them. You know, like the seven cost Sentinel with Empower Gain Overwhelm, uh, you know, that that's boosted in the draft packs. There's a couple big uncommons also. And then, like you said, there's Carnosaur Beta and Warrior Monk. So I, it's just kind of like a feeling of like, how highly do I really have to value these uh, when there's so many? As compared to last set with uh, Populous Controller, where that was like that was your only option so you kind of really needed to take them in order to that to have enough of them mm-hmm. yeah i could see that uh so yeah so i picked saddled sarasaur the two drop there just aren't many good two drops in cold hunt and this is one of them so i think it's a pretty high a high value pick um number two i picked lotus instructor uh this is the four time four three contract three, give a unit plus one plus one and overwhelm. And so it can give itself that and become a five four for four in a sense, um, or give another unit overwhelm. Uh, you know, you pair this with justice and you can give it to like the, the three cost endurance valor unit uh, with overwhelm. I don't know. There's just like, a it's a very flexible contract thing. And it's a body on its own that can trade off all right. Uh, so I've been seeing it a lot and liking the card. So I put that as number two. And then Lost in Thought. Uh, this is kind of my hot take, I guess, maybe. Uh, this is the uh, teleport I was talking about. It's a two-time fast spell. Uh, put a unit with cost four or less into its owner's hand, and it has inscribe. So... Um, yeah, yeah. You know, this allows you to get uh, possibly a, a, I don't know, you know, this allows you to to blow up a double block. It it um, can be used as a tempo play. And then it's 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 already a pretty good on rate card and it has inscribed. So I think this is a card I'm going to pick value pretty highly and put a I'll put multiples in my deck and be happy with that. Yeah, I could see that. <clears throat> no, those are all good picks. I think Lotus Instructor um, could have made my list in place of Carter Sorbeta potentially. <clears throat> the thing I uh, look at is like Contract 3, it really is a 7-drop because <laughs> you're paying for it later, but you, you can play it as early as turn 4, so it's not a 7-drop. But <laughs> yeah, I try to oh, be wary of those. Because I've seen people just like do nothing the next turn when they do something so often. I know. It, well, it, I think it's a people are going to have to just learn to resist, but it, you feel like you're giving up, you're spewing value by not using the contract. And so, <laughs> right? Kinda, yeah, I know. Like, a, we're, we're, we've been guilty of it already. I'm looking at it like, oh, this is a seven cost. I'm like, no, it's a, it's a four cost, four, three vanilla at worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so then um, on to the uncommons. All right, so time uncommons. I had Marison's Legacy, which is a six triple time slow spell 
you get a 1-1 Scorpion with Deadly, a 2-2 Locust with Flying, and a 3-3 Sandcrawler with Overwhelm. So just a lot of value here. It does cost six, and it is triple time. Um, I haven't played it myself, but I, again, watch a lot of streams since the set release, and I've seen this card blow up games. I've also seen it sit in people's hand because they can't get to three times. So you do have to be careful with these high influence cards, but I think the ceiling on this is just pretty high on the value that you're getting. Then I had Arcanum Seeker, which is the two time zero four Explorer ultimate. When you gain health, it gets plus four attack. So this is one of the, the, the life gain payoff cards. Uh, a 4-4 four, four for 2 is crazy good, but you need to be able to enable it. So, you know, I think I put it on as second. Just you have to make the deck work for it, though. Like, this can't go in every deck, obviously. Yeah, well, it's kind of, yes. I do think it's it's interesting in the sense that, like, it's still a pretty good blocker on two even when you don't trigger it and if you're in the, like a life gain deck you're probably a little bit in a slower deck anyway and so even if you don't have a ton of life gain triggers you know maybe you're still just happy playing a two cost oh four that kind of like gives you time um to make this big it is it's kind of a hard card to evaluate i i put it as my number two we had the same list i put it as my number two also but uh this one I feel like could go up or down uh, depending, uh, but it, its ceiling is so high. Like you said, yeah. two cost four, four is unbelievable. Yeah, and you make a valid point, but you're referring to decks that I almost never play. So when I yeah. look at an O four, I'm like, oh, O four is terrible. Like the uh, the the O five inscribe like justice card that costs yeah. three. I'm like, this card's terrible, and I watch somebody put it in their deck. Uh, I won't name the streamer again. Uh, but they put it in an aggro Argent port list, and I was like, well, in this deck, it is terrible. Just put a sigil in, because now you've, you're putting in depleted power in a deck that wants to curve out, and you're never going to want the 0-5 part of it. But <laughs> that was just my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, I don't play those decks, so I'm looking at an 0-4. Like, the only want, only time I want this is if I can trigger the life gain ability. <laughs> but you're right, that is very useful. Um, which brings us to the third pick, also very useful, Kickflip Monk is a two-time Mystic 1-4 uh, with Inscribe as well, and it's flying on the enemy turn, and cards can't leave voids. There's just a lot going on in this card. So it having Inscribe is just a plus because it's perfectly playable without Inscribe. Uh, a 1-4 for two is a good stalling card. Flying on the enemy turn like handles flyers as a blocker, can kill some of the flyers even. Uh, so that's fantastic. And then Cards Can't Leave Voids shuts off uh, Revenge, for one thing, which I didn't, hadn't thought of right off the bat, but I watched it happen. Uh, and the way I watched it happen was the person who had the kickflip monk didn't get their own revenge unit back. And I was thinking they probably shouldn't have both of those cards in the same deck <laughs> or don't draw them at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Also stops recursion effects, obviously. Yep, and then I, I think, yeah, great card. Uh, blocks, a lot of flyers um, as a 1-4, pretty good. And an honorable mention, I would just say, is uh, Cloud Scraper, which is the, the the beefy time uncommon, which is a 6 time time 6-6 six, six with Inscribe. 
And then contract two, put an enemy unit with cost two or less onto the bottom of its owner's deck. What a great way to get rid of a unit, a cheap unit with a weapon on it. Right. And, and like, you're never unhappy or you're less unhappy to, to draw a 6-6 six, six, um, or a 6-cost card uh, when it has inscribed because you can just play it as power. So um, that's great being able to play high-cost cards that can be inscribed because that's the problem with playing high-cost cards is that sometimes you draw them and you can't play them ever. Yes. All right. And then on to Justice. All right, let's see. We had a similar list here. So I find the moment as number one. So did you. Uh, you mentioned that card earlier. It's the two justice fast spell, giving unit plus two, plus two this turn. Contract three gives the unit an additional plus three, plus three this turn. So paying five to give something plus five, plus five, but only having to pay two this turn and have two power up to play it is super strong. Um, you can put it on a flyer to get five extra damage through. It's a super powerful combat trick. Um, good with units with Overwhelm. Uh, this card's going to see a ton of play as like the the common pump spell of the current set. And then we had Tower Lookout is my number two. And that one is the two Justice Soldier. It's a three-two. Contract three, ready your exhausted units. So a three-two for twos, perfectly playable usually if it were vanilla. Um, and then contract three, ready your exhausted units. This is great for aggro decks. It's great if you're in races. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of times ready your exhausted units. It's just a pretty powerful effect. Yeah. And then I had Starkist Wings as my third which is the five justice weapon, uh, plus two, plus one, and flying to the unit, and inscribe as well. Um, yeah, giving a unit flying is great, especially like a large unit or, or one with trample or endurance or something like that. Uh, flyers just win games, so five's kind of expensive, but the uh, effect is powerful and it has inscribed, so you're not too worried about it just getting stuck in your hand with no value. Yes. Yeah, we had a very similar uh, list, except I had, instead of Starkist Wings, um, I had Last Light Refugee, uh, which is the uh, five Justice Justice, three five Endurance Valor. Oh, what, a, what a great set of keywords. Um, really hard to block, or I guess, you know, there are some units that can block it. It's definitely hard to kill. And then I had Find the Moment, number one, Last Light Refugee, and then Tower Lookout. Uh, Starkist Wings, I think I'm probably too low on the card. I just, you know, this was a bunch of, I think set seven um, had the uh, five cost two one uh, flying bird with Exalted, which uh, did a similar thing to this. And everyone loved that card. And I always died with a five cost card in my hand. Um, or it was like too late, <laughs> you know, to, you had to sort of be ahead in order for that card to be good. Uh, you know, the fact that Starkist Wings has inscribed probably makes this much better, uh, because you are not going to die with this unplayable in your hand. You can always play it as a power. Um, and so that also means you're allowed to play 
uh, probably more than one and be okay with it. So I think this probably is a card that will move up into my hand because it has such a powerful effect. Yeah. I can play it. Yeah, definitely. The inscribe kind of changes everything there. <laughs> All right. And then on to uncommons. All right. Justice uncommons. I had Brigade Hall as number one. Um, it is the three cost. Justice Relic, once per turn, you may pay five to give a unit plus three, plus three, and Endurance this turn, and summon, play a three, three bear. I don't like, feel like those abilities uh, should be switched in order on the card, so like, you, you know that the primary purpose of this is probably to get a three, three for three, um, which I'm always happy with a three, three for three. Uh, the giving a unit plus three, plus three, and Endurance this turn for five, I mean, five's pretty expensive, but that effect's pretty powerful. Uh, it's a reusable effect once per turn. It's a power sink later in the game when you've got this extra power floating around. It's great on a flyer. Um, I just, I've seen the, the card win games single-handedly. Um, I haven't gotten one myself, unfortunately, but I definitely would pick it if I see it. Uh, I think it got nerfed because the ability cost two in the preview event at first, which that would have been crazy to keep that. <laughs> yeah, well... It's different. The how they originally debuted the card, it was a four cost card that played the three three, but the ability cost two. Okay. And then so they made it a three cost card, but the ability five. Yeah, this seems more balanced. Like paying four for a three three was like suboptimal, but the ability being cheaper was like insane. Yeah. Um, but I still love this card. You know, it breaks uh, stun on your units, so there's a you know, there's a stun card in this set at Uncommon, I believe, that's similar to Permafrost. And then Permafrost is in the curated pack still, I believe. Um, Manacles is probably still in the pack, although that's rare. Um, and there's just a lot of other stun effects that this is great against. Yes. All right, second, I had Defend the Treasury. And that one is a two Justice Fast Bell uh, kill a unit with an even cost. So, um, Hard removal that kills probably about half the units in the format. <laughs> I haven't done a calculation of how much each unit costs, but it kills all of the even cost ones. <laughs> so this could kill some bombs. I would play this. I would play this or multiples of this in most decks probably. And then third, I had Alchemy Student, which you also had at third. Um, it is a one cost. Uh, Justice Tinker, 1-1. Uh, um, contract 2, give a unit plus 1, plus 1, and lifesteal. These cards are all awesome. Those 1-drop contract 2s, like because you can do it to itself or to a different unit. So plus 1, yeah. plus 1, and lifesteal on whatever unit. It could be Overwhelm, it could be Quick Draw, it could be Flying, etc. It could be uh, Aegis. So being able to give lifesteal to a unit is super powerful. Yeah, I have one of these in my... Um... I guess in my last deck and even I played it turn one a couple times felt great. Uh, there's not a lot of two drops. So you often got two attacks in with this thing. Um, totally fine. <laughs> turn one play and then giving life steal to anything is just such a swingy ability. So yeah, I love this card. Uh, yeah. Uh, my list, I have defend the treasury. Number one, it's uh, like you said, it's, um, it's a two cost. It's a fast spell. 
um, and it kills half the units in the format, approximately. Uh, so that is a pretty incredible card. Um, then number two, I have Curfew Patroller, which is the four Justice Justice 3-3 three, three with Aegis Lifesteal, Contract 3, Silence and Exhausted Enemy Unit. I don't I've I put this high up there just because it is like, again, it's been like a bear to deal with. It has Lifesteal, it has Aegis. You put something like uh, the Starkist Wings on it and like... Uh, what what are what's your opponent supposed to do, or what are you supposed to do if your opponent does that to you? And then all, it has like, I would be happy with it as a base rate, and then it has a pretty good contract ability on top of it. So, uh, I've I've really liked this card when it's been played against me. I haven't played it yet though. Yeah, I would definitely play that one too. Yep, and then I have number three Alchemy Student, uh, just because it's cheap and it's flexible. And then probably number four would be Brigade Hall, because it is, like you said, just a very good card. Um, but that's my order there. All right, on to Primal. Primal, all right. So for the top one, I had Chloric Mix. Um, that is the two Primal Fast Spell, deal three damage to an attacking enemy. Contract two, deal six damage instead. Uh, six damage kills almost everything right now. Um, so that's super good. And you only have to be holding up two power. Uh, it would cost you four in total with the debt included, but uh, that's so good. And, and dealing three at first, um, even if you're not going to contract it, will kill a lot of things as well. And you can always, if you have excess power, do six in case they have a trick or something like that. So that card is um, super good. Um, those primal cards that deal damage to attacking enemies are always... Uh, valued pretty highly. For number two, I had Terriax Creature, and that is the three primal two three or sorry two two dinosaur with flying. Contract three, deal one damage to an exhausted enemy unit. Uh, so with two two flying for three is not amazing, but it's definitely not bad. Um, and again, flyers can win games, so a two two flyer can definitely get a lot of damage in. In the contract, I have seen just kill lots of things. Like pay three to deal one to an exhausted enemy unit um, can kill things that blocked and they thought they would survive combat and then you just finish it off with a screecher or it can kill their units that attack that only have one health. So the contract ability definitely comes into play. And then I had trick throw as the third one. Um, I just love direct damage. I think it's always useful. Um, this is slow speed, but it's one primal slow spell, deal two damage. You may transform a card in your hand into a snowball, which is a one slow speed, one damage card. So it can get rid of excess cards that you're not using, like excess power and such, And the, at which point it would deal three damage in total. So um, And to multiple targets if you need it to. So I think it's a pretty versatile removal spell, and it's cheap. Yes. Um, yep, uh, I have a, a two of the same cards. I have Chloric Mix on there um, as my number one card. It's just a very powerful spell. I have Trick Throw for, again, the reasons you said. And then number three, and I honestly, it's up there with Trick Throw for me, is Thudrock's Ruse, which is the three-cost fast spell. Play a 5-5 five, five snowman that dies at the end of your next turn or when it deals or is dealt damage. Um, I think you can think of this card uh, 
as almost like biting winds. I mean, it's you're blocking with a five five snowman, so you're dealing five uh, damage to a unit. Um, and then also, I've had plenty of success as at with end of turn play a five five and get in five surprise damage um, to kill opponents. So this is a very flexible card um, in my experience, and it just has it has both blown me out and uh, killed opponents uh, of mine before. So I've really, really loved this card as an overperformer because, uh, you know, it feels like you're like, why do I want a unit that just immediately dies? But then you're like, oh, it, you know, when, once you see it in play. Yeah, that card is very good. I do like that the first line, if you just stop reading, it says, play a 5-5 five, five snowman that dies. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to keep reading. <laughs> All right, and then on to the uncommons. All right, so I had Teriax Mount, and that one is the one primal, uh, one two dinosaur explorer. Contract two, give a unit plus one plus one and flying. Uh, so again, these one cost contract units in the uncommon slots are just so strong. This, if played on itself on turn one, is a two three flying on turn one. So like can't be understated how powerful this card can be um and to give something else plus one plus one and flying later um arguably even better in certain situations um but yeah if you're an aggro deck and you're just like out of the gates with a two three flyer on one you're you're happy and if you're a slower deck or mid-range or you draw this later in the game it's still useful so that's what's great about it. it's useful in all stages of the game and then for number two, I had learned a bite. It's the five double primal slow spell. Transform a unit into a five five carnosaur with killer. So, um, yeah, a five five killer is pretty strong. Kills a lot of things without dying, or trades with things like warrior monk if you need it to. Um, interesting to note that any weapons on the original unit stay. So if you had weapons pumping them, you've now got an even bigger killer unit. So I've seen that happen, and like you almost forget that when you're transforming, you keep the weapon sometimes. Um, so that card's yeah. been really good. And just having a 5-5 five, five after the killer is used. Yeah, and that's the nice thing is uh, this is a transform card that gives a unit with killer, so you're sort of you're recouping that initial card disadvantage uh, if you kill something and the body lives, which is very plausible for a 5-5. Five, five. Yeah, exactly. Because even if you're not transforming a, a little dinky one one or you know something like that, if you're transforming a legitimate unit, that card disadvantage, uh, yeah, gets made up for. That's a good point. All right, and then for third, I had Churgant's Breath, which is a four primal slow spell. Choose an enemy unit, stun the rest. I have not seen this in action. Um, it's definitely not crystallized, uh, but. The more units on the board, the closer to crystallize it becomes. Because if you're in a board stall and each of you has six units, seven, eight units, it's going to stun all but one. So the more units on the board, really, the more this card shines. So this is going to break board stalls and like just win the game like crystallize would uh, at some point. Um, because you get two attacks in while their units are stunned. Yes. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I, I have hard a trouble evaluating it. Um, so, 
you know, like you said, the fewer units, the the worse this is. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and how many you can play. You know, I think it's not like a card like Flash Freeze, uh, where you could just like play infinite <laughs> amounts of Flash Freeze. Um, but because uh, I feel like I don't know. I mean, I guess you could technically play this defensively, but you're you know you're stopping fewer attacks than a, a fast speed version. Um, so, so I, I like the card. Um, it didn't make my top three. Uh, we had similar cards. I had Terriax Mount as number one, Learn to Bite number two. And then number three, I had a Cloud Line Shaman. Uh, maybe I just love Aegis too much. I don't know. Uh, it is the five primal primal three, three with Aegis, but then contract four, play a three, three Sky Serpent with Flying. So, you get uh, two uh, okay bodies. You know, you're paying nine in total with the contract, but, you know, that's that's debt who, you know, you're just putting that on the card. We're not worrying about <laughs> the later <laughs> effects of that. Um, I just think, uh, you know, the initial card is a little underrated. A five cost, three, three with Aegis is, you know, that's not an on-rate card, but a four cost, three, three flyer is on-rate. Um, and and so I've just been liking this. You know, you get your two bodies immediately because this is Aegis. This sort of will always, more or less, always survive the turn to at least like block or chomp or you know do something while you have you're sort of getting the fly the flyer up front to get into a couple attacks and maybe turn a race around uh, that way. So I've kind of liked this card so far. Yeah, that's definitely good. <clears throat> like paying nine for two three threes doesn't feel great, but again, like I'll pay for it tomorrow. <laughs> put yeah. it on the put it on the Amex, um, and and like like we keep saying, flyers just win games, and a three three flyers a pretty decent sized one. Yes. All right, on to our final caller, Shadow. All right, so Shadow, I had number one as call the hit. It is the one shadow slow spell with inscribe, kill an enemy unit with two attack or less. Um, it's great. I mean, it has inscribe, so if you're drawing it late in the game and there's no like good targets for two attack or less at that point, which can happen, um, at least you can play it as a power. Uh, but I, I think it usually hits something uh, in, a, in an aggressive deck. It's great to clear cheap blockers so your things can get through. Like you mentioned, the uh, Lethrai Rangers in the format. So if you want your 2-2 two, two to turn into a 4-4, four, four, you often need spells, cheap spells like this to get the blockers out of the way. So uh, I've seen this do work with like Lethrai Ranger and and the 3-2 the Minotaur one that's like gets a plus one, plus one when it gets through. Um, so I think this is a great card. Uh, for the second one, I had Cabal Embezzler, and that one is the six double shadow, uh, three four rogue with unblockable. Um, that part alone, it's a little overcosted, but a three four unblockable is pretty strong. Um, it also has contract three, give another unit plus three attack and unblockable this turn. So, you know. That I, that's just a chunk of damage that you can get through that they can't block if they don't have like immediate fast speed removal. Um, so I love this card. It costs six, but I think 
nine with the contract, but I think the effect is very strong uh, and it has a high ceiling, I think, to get a lot of damage in. And then for the third one, I had Ritual Dagger. And that is the three shadow weapon. Oh, we talked about this. Plus two, plus two. Summon, you can sacrifice a unit other than the wielder. You have the, the wielder plus two, plus two. I just think this has a lot of upside, too, and you can put it on an invasive unit. Um, I mean, a 4-4 four, four weapon is super strong. So we'll see how the removal goes in this set, because um, you don't want to just get blown out by sacrificing a unit and having the weapon and the other unit get killed by a single card or something. Yep, and uh, I have called the hit number one, and then we, we do differ a little bit here. Um, I do like uh, Cabal Embezzler, uh, very powerful card, great late game finisher, um, and a, gr a great top end to an aggressive deck if you if you can hit six. Um, I went with the, the more controlling six drop in Shadow, and that's a Midnight Hunter. It is the six Shadow 3-2 Flyer. Summon, you may sacrifice another unit to kill an enemy unit, and that's kill anything. Uh, you know, there's there's not a ton of unconditional removal, and this will just get, no matter how big that time unit is, you kill it. No matter this, that, or, you know, as long as they don't have Aegis, uh, it's dead. And then you you're left over with a... a with a flyer that can start, you know, getting in and winning you the game um, once you clear their best unit off the board. Uh, yeah. And then um, number three, I just have loved this card so far. I don't know if it'll end up being as great as uh, as I pick it, but I love Soul Feast. It's the four shadow shadow fast spell life steal deal three damage. You know, you're. you're you're, it's overcosted uh, for a deal three damage spell, but uh, Shadow doesn't often get these at fast speed. And the fact that this is a, a six uh, point life differential um, at the end of it has just feels has felt very powerful uh, for me. Um, so you know, like if this was in Fire, I mean, it wouldn't have life steal, but you'd feel like it's probably not a great card. But the fact that this is in shadow and kind of changes up what shadow can do its range i think has been uh felt very powerful for me yeah i definitely play this card um in my most recent deck even though i'm playing only two factions no splashes two like double shadow influence has been an issue more than once which is just kind of sad <laughs> like the fixing is so bad that i can't play a four cost double shadow in a two faction deck but yeah it, i agree with you that that's very strong and Midnight Hunter could definitely uh, replace Embezzler on my list. Like, I, li I like both of those cards. Um, and Midnight Hunter, it's like a slow speed cut ties with a 3-2 flyer on it. <laughs> so, yeah. so, can't complain about that. You're sacrificing a unit that could just be a 1-1 one -one and getting a 3-2 flying. So, it's so good. All right. And then on to the uncommons here. All right, Shadow Uncommon. So my one, two, and three are victimless crime. <laughs> but you made me pick three, so I tried to pick two others after that one. So victimless crime is a two shadow fast spell, kill a non-hero unit. Um, like we've talked about, heroes is kind of a theme, but most of the heroes are rare or legendary. And in the current set, there's just the five uncommon heroes. Um, and then, you know, some rare and legendary ones. So this is going to hit most things. 
it's a two cost fast spell removal. Like, what can be bad about this? <laughs> then for my uh, number four, I had Aruman the Punishing, and that is the four cost um, Shadow four three Radiant. Um, it is one of the uncommon heroes we were talking about. At the end of the enemy turn, deal one damage to them for each card they drew. Um, so this is great for board stalls, um, just to sneak in a constant trickle of extra damage. 4-3 um, for 4 is statted pretty decently, so I do like this card, and I'll play it whenever I see it. And then for my last one, I had Zido, Cabal, Housecat, or Zito, and that is the one cost, also a hero, 1-1 um, one, one cat with revenge. Contract 2, the enemy player discards a card of their choice from their hand. Uh, so, I mean, it's a 1-1 one, one revenge for 1, so it feeds a lot of these sack effects that we've been talking about, or just trades with an X1. Uh, the contract ability is just, like, card advantage. Paying 2 to make them discard a card of their choice. Uh, seems pretty good to me, and doing it twice, um, can't complain. Like, I've seen this just remove the bomb that was the last card in somebody's hand. Sometimes the last card in their hand was just power that they were holding, and it didn't do anything, but it's still card advantage. So um, I like it for that. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I like all of those cards. I guess I do have to make an addendum at the beginning of this episode that there are, in fact, seven heroes because uh um there's uh zito and then the the toctic or TikTok or the, mm. the clockroach that's mm. it uh there's the the three cost one one clockroach in time is also an, an uncommon hero um so there are seven heroes i apologize though i don't think that actually changes the math that much for how often <laughs> you'll be seeing a hero Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, number one, obviously, victimless crime. And then we do differ. I have a uh, Lethride Kidnapper, which is the three shadow shadow, three one elf bat with flying. Summon the enemy player discards a unit of your choice from their hand. Entomb the enemy player draws a card. So um, this I found to be. A really powerful card i mean you look at it and you're like oh, three cost three one that's very fragile but um and then if they dies they get the draw card but the fact that you get to choose the unit can really disrupt your opponent's plans especially on three they are most likely going to have a unit in their hand um and so it's very good uh especially on curve or in the early turns and then the intomb if you manage to nab a unit uh, the Intomb is really not as good as you think it is because you're they're, you're trading their best unit in hand with a card that's one third of a chance at least to be a power. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so <laughs> yeah. you're definitely up on that trade and you got a 3-1 flyer that they probably had to spend a card on to deal with. Um, so... This card has felt very powerful for me. Uh, obviously, late game in top deck wars, it feels a little worse. But then again, it also means that they need to top deck a removal spell. You, you, you know, so I don't know. I, I found it to be a surprisingly powerful card. And then uh, I've picked most these in most every color. 
I like the one cost, uh, the one cost contract two card. It's toxic wisp. It's a one cost one two contract two. Give a unit plus one plus one and deadly. Um, yeah, really great card. You put this on some of these big butt blockers that are in this format, and all of a sudden you have a wall that you know no one can get through, or it just allows you to push damage that your opponent wasn't prepared for, or a card that they thought they could block that they can no longer. You know, so I think it's just a pretty power. Deadly is a pretty powerful keyword, and it's pretty flexible. Yeah, I agree. Both of those are very good. Like Toxic Wisp, I I didn't I hadn't really thought about that um, because I don't play those types of decks. <laughs> but you could pop this on an O five or an O six, and it adds plus one plus one and deadly. That's the important part. You can put it on an O something wall, like you said, and now it becomes a deadly wall. That's going to kill every a unit every time they, they attack. So that's a very good point. Uh, and then Lethray Kidnapper, yeah, I, basically everything you said I agree with. It does feel bad when you don't actually make them discard a unit, and then they kill it and get to draw a card. <laughs> but, you know, it's just going to happen sometimes. And, and like you said, you picking is important because you get to look at all the units in their hand, too. So I'm here on my computer, like, screenshotting their hand so I, so I know what they have, right? Um, and that's one of people's biggest complaints about exploit was like, it's such a powerful thing to know what's in their hand. And like the last two times I played it, they had four or five units in their hand. And I was like, oh my God, like, first of all, uh, that's scary. <laughs> Second of all, I don't even know what to pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's been, you know, it was a card that I was a little wish, wishy on because it's just like has such low toughness, but Having seen it in play, it's done some pretty powerful things. All right. Uh, I think I just want to close up here quickly, quickly talking about the draft packs, because this is the other big thing um, with this format. And I'm not going to go into any cards or anything. Uh, I think we'll do that in a later episode, maybe in the next week or two. Uh, just to mention that, you know, they did change up the draft packs. They also added there are now six different weights which uh, seems incredible, but yes, Direwolf did it. Uh, there is a 1X, a 3X, a 6X, a 9X, a 12X, and an 18X, which just feels very overwhelming. So I, I just wanted to put a few things in context, having dug it into the numbers a little bit and what that means. Um, first off, uh, at Common, the there's only four weightings. <laughs> Only, I say only in quotes there, only four different weightings. Uh, there's 1X, 6X, 9X, and 18X. And again, um, it's really the 18X cards that you want to focus on, uh, I think. Um, because uh, I'll just throw out uh, some numbers to give you a sense. Uh, because like in Cold Hunt, because when you do a draft, you see two, you know, there's two cold hump packs and two draft draft packs, and then there's 12 packs that are opened for each thing, you know, because you you end up seeing 12 different packs for the, you know, 12 picks for each of those four packs, however you want to say it. Um, and so on average, in if you open 24 packs of cold hunt, in those 24 packs, 
on average, you'll see each of the commons three times. So three of those will be open in those 24 packs. Um, so it can be more or less depending on, it's all random. So there is some variance there, but on average, you'll see three of each. Uh, with the draft packs, the 18 X's in those 24 packs that are opened, any of the 18 X's will be open, about two of them will be opened per draft. For the nine X's, about one of each of the nine X cards will be open per draft. Uh, so it's actually closer to an uncommon. So even the nine X cards are closer to an uncommon of cold hunt because in cold hunt, any given uncommon about one per draft is opened. Um, and then it goes down from there to the lowest rarity, the one X's any given one X card will only be opened once every 10 drafts. So it is very unlikely to ever see those. Um, and then the uncommon is kind of similar. Like I, I said, for the uncommons in Cold Hunt, any given uncommon, about one copy will be opened per 24 packs opened. Obviously, sometimes you see two of an uncommon, but so there is some variance there, but on average, based on the number of uncommons that are, uh, there are 66 un uncommons in Cold Hunt. Um, so a little bit more than one per draft will be opened. While uh, the, the uncommons in uh, the draft packs are all under one. So you really can't rely on, on any of the uncommons being opened in any, or of even being opened, let alone you seeing it of any of the uncommons. Because the uncommons have three weightings, uh, 1X, 6X, and 12X. So there's no 18X uncommon. And so uh, the 1X uncommons, you see uh, 0 .0, there's 0 0.07 are open per draft. Uh, for the 6X, it's uh, 0.4. And for the, uh, for the 12X, it's a little under 1.86. So just to give you a sense of how often you'll be seeing any of these individual cards, you know, you can go to Shift Stoned, uh, which has a, a really great way, way to see all the different rate weightings and stuff like that. Um, so I, I would definitely suggest you delve into that until our episode comes out. But just to give you a sense of, of what these weightings mean, I kind of wanted to try to break it down into those numbers. Hopefully that came across clearly <laughs> in some sense. Any, anything further to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I hadn't done all that math, so it's very interesting to hear that kind of stuff because you, you don't really realize uh, the waiting thing's confusing to begin with. And as a new player, I was like, what waiting? What, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> this is not a thing I've ever heard of in another game. Um, but it's interesting that to know like, how rarely you see even the most common of things that come out of the curated packs. Like the most common commons are still only two thirds uh, likely to be seen as the, as just the commons from the current set. So it's interesting. Yeah, exactly. I think that is the biggest takeaway <laughs> is uh, a, a common from, yeah, the drop packs is about two thirds as common actually as a cold hunt common. Um, all right. Uh, any final thoughts about the set? I'm excited. I've been enjoying playing it so far. I uh, look forward to playing it more. Um, I enjoyed the last set too, so 
um, I've, I've been playing Eternal for about a year and three months, so I'm enjoying seeing the new sets, and I hope they, like, swap the format up, I think, a little more frequently is my hope. Um, I like I enjoy the new draft rewards, um, so I'm hoping that uh, draft continues to be popular um, as we move through the set. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I agree. I, I echo all those sentiments. And then my final advice is I would take all the two drops you can because right now my impression is they feel pretty rare. Uh, it's hard to get good two drops that are just not <laughs> plain old two twos. Um, and so we'll see how that develops as you know the format develops. But that was my one of my big takeaways looking at all of this data and all the cards is not a lot of great uh two drops at common in cold hunt yeah that's why i put the uh the three two um charge unit as one of my top <laughs> fire cards because it'll often get six or more damage in and then trade with something <laughs> yes all right well i appreciate you you know in here for the long haul uh these uh, set preview episodes always tend to go a little wrong, long, so I, I I appreciate you sticking with us here, and to also to all the listeners for sticking uh, with us. Um, so I think that'll be our show. So uh, thank you who does that. Um, Thanks for having thank me, you listeners. And uh, and once again, uh, a reminder to uh, to join our Patreon. Uh, thank you to everyone who does. Uh, you can give us a five star rating and review on Stitcher or Google Play. Um, or iTunes. You can join us in our Discord. There'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the new set. You can get access to the uh, spreadsheet there. And then finally, uh, thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts, and don't forget to send in all your seven-win deck lists you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com or post it on the Discord. And remember to keep on farming. Have a good night. Have a good night. <laughs>